Funny thing, time is. I think, I think we're all frustrated with it at times. Uh, it passes methodically and unwittingly, and we cannot do anything about it except try to use it well. That's the best hope we got. Time is a funny thing. Have you ever had this happen? Where you're early and you don't want to go in yet, so maybe you're early for an appointment or you're early for a party and you don't want to go in yet, so you drive around the block trying to, to waste time and then you check the time and no time has passed. It's hardly moved. When, when you're trying to kill time, time seems to pass excruciatingly slow. Contrast that with when you're late and you're trying to hurry. Time seems to fly by. You cannot contain it. You can't slow it down. It's as if it's running downhill. When, when you're trying to beat the clock, time seems to accelerate. Time is a funny thing. I wonder how Jesus managed his time 2,000 years ago. Was he, was he ever behind was he ever late? How did he track appointments? How did he handle interruptions? We're left to wonder how Jesus would manage his time today. Would he fly on jets? Would he use video conference calls? Would he use mass mailings? Would he text? Would he, be on, would he have a Facebook page? Would he be on Instagram? We wonder if it's possible to get on top of time. Can we master time? Can we control time? Can we somehow learn to manage time? And does it even matter? Maybe we should just go with the flow. Well, let's start there. Why time matters? Time matters because it's the commodity within which we all have to operate. We all have to live and move within this entity that we know as time. We, we all have to deal with it. There are no timeouts. There are no do-overs. Time just keeps rolling along. The old expression is, time waits for no man. Time is the common element. We all have to deal with it. Those who deal with it well are ahead of the game. Those who deal with time poorly will struggle. That's why time matters. In reality, it's a matter of stewardship. And I believe stewardship to be the fundamental Christian principle. Psalm 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, and all those that dwell therein. That's a pretty significant verse. God is the creator and owner of not only the world, but of all those who dwell therein. Stewardship is the concept that I'm not an owner, I'm a manager. It's true of my money, it's true of my children, as we said last week, and it's true of the environment, it's true of really every aspect of my life. These commodities have been entrusted to me to manage and to care for for a specific period of time. The manager of our local Walmart store, he, he doesn't own the store, 
He certainly doesn't own the Walmart Corporation. He manages the store here in Superior, Wisconsin. And periodically, he has to give an account. They add up all the product that has been shipped to the store in Superior, Wisconsin. They subtract the sales. They subtract the stored inventory. And the manager must give an account. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 2 says, Moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. There's always a day of reckoning. Stewardship demands we be faithful with all that God has entrusted to us. And one of those commodities placed into our care is time. Time's a funny thing. You can buy time, make time, take time, waste time, serve time, tell time, save time, spend time, keep time, lose time, gain time, track time, and pass time. But you cannot create time. We all get the same amount of time per day, per hour, per year. Doesn't matter how rich or poor, young or old. Doesn't matter your IQ or your lot in life. We all get 24 hours a day, 168 hours a week, 8,760 hours a year. That's 525,600 minutes a year, 31,536,000 seconds per year. Doesn't seem like enough. What did you do with the 31 million seconds you were entrusted with last year? What if you had to give an account? How many did you make the most of? How many did you squander? Let's talk about wasted time. Wasted time? Wasted time begins in the realm of my disorganization. Are you disorganized? There are lots of symptoms or ramifications, if you will, of a disorganized life and poor time management. Things like discouragement and frustration and even a diminished self-esteem. Disorganization leads to missed appointments and deadlines and messages left unreturned and personal relationships can suffer. And worst of all, for the disorganized, time with God often becomes less enjoyable and sometimes skipped altogether. If my life is in order, I will have a system in place that helps me Track time. It will look different for you than it does for me, but we all need a system in place. It's vitally important because unseized time will slip away in a hurry. Without some kind of an organizer in place, time leaks will gobble up large portions of our life without us even being aware of it. Gordon MacDonald wrote a book called Ordering Your Private World. I've used it and, and taught classes on it in Sunday school. And in it, he has a section called uh, Gordon MacDonald's Laws of Unseized Time. The premise is that, that time unaccounted for 
or time without an assignment will have certain tendencies. Identifying those tendencies can help us. This is very helpful for college students. So the four laws, Gordon McDonald's four laws of unseized time. Number one, unseized time flows to my weakness. In other words, time we don't use well will flow to what comes naturally. Most of us are naturally lazy and like to be entertained. That will be the direction unseized time tends to flow. So we watch TV or we play video games. Law number two, unseized time comes under the influence of the dominant people in my world. Dominant people and causes will impose themselves on your unseized time. If my calendar is disorganized or non-existent, how can I say no to anyone? If I don't schedule my time, someone else will schedule it for me. It must, I must take the initiative and have the intentionality to command the time before the dominating forces in my world get to me. Law number three, unseized time surrenders to the demands of all emergencies. Hear me now. There are lots of people in the world who are governed by the urgent. There are lots of people in the world who are governed by the urgent. Their mistake is not understanding their, their mistake is not understanding the difference between the urgent and the important. Had they understood that, they would have spent more time with the important and less time in the realm of crisis. Let me give you a couple examples. Scheduled maintenance. Scheduled maintenance is not urgent, it's important. Changing the oil in my car is not urgent, but if I neglect it and the engine seizes up, now I have a crisis. And what was important has become urgent. Time with my wife is not urgent, it's important. Neglect it long enough, and it'll become urgent. And the crisis of a blown engine or the crisis of a blown marriage will be a lot more time-consuming and expensive than any investment you could have made in preventive maintenance. The same is true of my time with God. It's not urgent. It's important. The problem is the important aspects to life seldom tug on our shirt sleeves demanding attention. On the flip side, not everything that cries the loudest is the most important. It's up to us to determine the important so we do not have to be enslaved in the realm of the urgent. Unseized time surrenders to the demands of the emergencies. Law number four, unseized time gets invested in things that gain public acclamation or have a quick return. We are most likely to give our unbudgeted time to events that bring immediate praise or acclamation. We naturally drift toward immediate gratification. If we do not manage our time, we will drift toward what feels best 
soonest. These are Gordon McDonald's four laws of unseized time. If you don't assign your time a task, it will drift somewhere. The result will be time wasted. Now there are some some things common to those that are poor at managing time. See if you can find yourself in here. Six things. Number one, there's a failure to plan for the next day. A failure to plan for the next day. Number two, people that are poor at managing time are governed by interruptions, calls, drop-ins, and distractions. Number three, they leave tasks partly finished and jump from one thing to another. Any of you see yourself in there? They attempt too much at once and make unrealistic time estimates. Build a deck, I can do that tomorrow morning. (laughs) Number five, a cluttered desk, office, workbench, or work area is both a symptom and a cause of wasted time. Number six, inefficiency due to haste, carelessness, lack of sleep, indecision, or tension. It's all just unorganized. It's a stewardship issue, really. And make no mistake, it's a spiritual problem. In the parable of the sower, in using a metaphor of of a seed, the Word of God is planted into four different types of soil. It's not really types of soil. It's really conditions of soil. It's all the same soil, but it's what condition is the soil in. And the soil actually represents people. So there's the soil that's packed down by people walking on it. There's the thorny soil. And then there's the shallow, rocky soil. And then finally, there's the good soil, right? And we would say, that's me. I'm the good soil. Hey, I'm the good soil in the parable of the sower. And maybe, maybe so. Maybe that's a, a, an accurate statement. But at the end of the teaching, Jesus notes that some of the good soil brought forth 30-fold, some 60-fold, and some 100-fold. It's the issue of potential. So, so which are you? 30, 60, or a hundredfold. Why don't we reach our potential? One reason might be wasted time. There's a price to pay for wasted time. There's a price to pay for poor stewardship. Time allotted poorly means something is left undone that could have been done. So, so let's finish by looking at time well spent. In order to to recapture our time, we must analyze ourselves. And it starts by discovering our mission. And it's the age-old question, why am I here? Identifying your mission in life helps keep you on task. Jesus knew exactly why he was here. 
In Luke 19.10, he said, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Understanding his purpose kept him focused and helped him, helped him to determine tasks and activities that were worthwhile and would grade out as time well spent. Without a mission, we tend to spend too much time on things that we're not good at instead of the things that we are called to. If a 300-pound lineman for the Minnesota Vikings doesn't understand his mission, you might see him running out for a pass when he should be in blocking for the quarterback and leaving the route running to the speedsters. I don't want my doctor cleaning my hospital room, and I don't want the anesthesiologist cutting me open. I want them to know their mission. Knowing their mission helps them stay in their lane, use their time and their skills and their training well. Many people live life day to day, week to week, paycheck to paycheck, weekend to weekend. They live in a state of quiet desperation. Working hard and getting nowhere, or simply dwelling in a world absent of purpose. A life like that is often filled with unseized time. We need to discover our mission in life so that we can use our time well. Once we've identified our mission, then there are some keys to using our time well. Here are three. Number one, I must know. My rhythms of maximum effectiveness. It's very important. I must know my rhythms of maximum effectiveness. I like the term rhythm better than I do balance. Okay? Because I don't do everything in equal chunks. But there is a rhythm. Number two, I must have good criteria for using my time. What is time well spent? And what is a waste of time? We have to be able to differentiate between the two. And number three, I must budget time in advance. Budgeting time is like budgeting money. The problem is most of us aren't good at that either. Now, now being a pastor is a, a fascinating calling. Now, you have to remember, I worked in the real world. I had a real job before this. For 24 years, I worked in a Georgia Pacific factory. So, so I, I get to experience the contrast, okay? Ministry is a place where both the lazy and the workaholic can thrive. Ministers have to budget their time in order to keep it between the ditches. I have some things that I do that work for me in my situation and my personality that may not work for someone else. I'm not trying to impose any of this on you. Here's what works for me. I'm big on a preaching calendar. So I am months out ahead as far as what sermon series I'll be doing. There are times I'm a year out. Now I know that freaks some people out they don't think God can plan a year out. 
But I pray about it. And nothing is written in stone. But I have a plan. I don't have sermons yet, but I have direction. For example, we have a three-part series in December called Christmas Gifts. G-I-F-S, Gifts. <laughs> Matt, Samuel, and I will each take one. Then we kick off the new year with a three-part series called Asleep at the Wheel, dealing with a sleeping church in a lost world. February and March will be an eight-part series on the last will and testament of Jesus Christ. That takes us to Easter, after which we'll begin a seven-part series on Jesus in the Old Testament. The summer will be a ten-part series on Moses, the servant of God. The preaching calendar helps me to use my time effectively. It's all subject to change. Sometimes a seven-part series gets amended to a six-part series for various reasons. There are also a few Sundays left in there for standalone sermons or to give Matt or Samuel a crack at the pulpit. But it's all planned in the context of prayer and time with God. I also have a weekly schedule. Here's a trick for you. Divide your week into 21 segments. There's seven days. Every day has a morning, an afternoon, and an evening. Seven times three, 21 segments. Schedule those 21 segments, and you're beginning the process of what it means to budget time. Now, my week is different than your week is. Friday is my day off. Mondays and Tuesdays are big sermon prep days for me. Tuesdays, we sometimes have staff meeting in the morning. Wednesday, we film Fuel for the Fire. There's meetings, sermon prep, connect group prep. Thursdays, I have noon prayer. I'm finishing up with Sunday school prep and the service order, both of which I've already done some preliminary work on by then. Sprinkle in hospital visits and some other visits, counseling, assorted other activities. And what you have there is a week. It's my goal every week to be done with the Sunday planning and preparation by the end of the day, Thursday. You're all looking at me funny. <laughs> that enables me to really enjoy my day off and my time with my beautiful wife, Rhonda. It also gives me some flexibility on Saturday, which can either be filled with ministry or perhaps partially spent, say, on the golf course. <laughs> Usually Saturdays are a combo platter of fun and, and work. Uh, I recently had a Saturday, three weeks ago, where, where I led the men's breakfast at 7 a.m. We do that every, every Saturday, 7 a.m., Fuller's Restaurant, that goes till about 8.30. Then I got to lead our Take 5 Discipleship course at 10. That winds up a little after 11, typically. Then at noon, I had a meeting of the deacon nominating committee. And then at 2 o'clock, I did a wedding in my office. Now, that doesn't just happen without some organization and budgeting of time on the front end. You can't be throwing all that together on the fly in the few minutes between meetings. As it turned out, those were four really fun events for me to be a part of. 
It was a great day of fellowship and ministry, but only because I budget time and prepare well on the front end. Another little trick is to prioritize for tomorrow. At the end of every day in the office, I look at my calendar for tomorrow, and I write myself a little note with the list of my top three or four things to do for the next day. It helps me hit the floor running when I get to the office the next day. It, it helps get my day off to a, to a good start. It helps me to log some early wins. It's good for the psyche. Because I prioritize for tomorrow and because of my preaching calendar, I spend absolutely no time, quite literally no time, none, trying to figure out what I should be doing next. And that's where a lot of people waste a lot of time and find themselves getting off track. I don't get through Sunday and get to Monday morning wondering what I'm going to do the next week. I already know where I'm heading, and I can get right to work on it. Budgeting money is assigning each dollar a task, okay? Rent, groceries, vacation, car payment. Budgeting time is the same process, only with hours and minutes instead of dollars and cents. And just as budgeting money enables you to allow for fun things like vacation and new toys, budgeting time helps you to allow for leisure and relaxation. My day off is better because I budget time well. Let me give you 11 tips for good time usage. 11 quick hitters, okay? You ready? All right. Number one, begin every day by reading your Bible and prayer. Make God priority one. Give God the first fruits, not the leftovers. Number two, read a book that betters you for 15 minutes a day. All right? 15 minutes a day. Set aside 15 minutes a day. Assign 15 minutes a day to read a book that will make you smarter, that will give you knowledge that you don't already possess. 15 minutes a day. Number three, allow proper time for family. It's not urgent. It's important. Schedule it in. Number four, account for time to serve and fellowship within the family of God, the church. Number five, allow time for yourself. This is time set aside for video games, sports, naps, and other fun stuff that has absolutely no redeeming value other than sheer diversion. We need that. Schedule it in. Number six, allow time for others. Number seven, make time for planning. Do you realize that I have days set aside for long-term planning? There's lots I could say about that. Number eight, have a, have a yearly calendar for long-range perspective. Okay, we're going on vacation at the end of August. I've got the conference for, for work the first week of July. You have a long-term calendar 
a yearly calendar that gives you uh, a long-term perspective. Then have a monthly calendar for appointments. Number 10, have a weekly and daily calendar that keep you on task. What am I doing today? And number 11, schedule your Sabbath. The word Sabbath means rest. A Sabbath is like sharpening your saw. A Sabbath is like sharpening your axe. You can keep swinging away with a dull axe if you want, or you can work smarter by taking a Sabbath. A Sabbath is a part of God's ordained rhythm to life. The Bible tells us in two places to redeem the time. Colossians 4, 5 and Ephesians 5, 16 says that we are to maximize our time, to redeem our time. And a Sabbath helps us to redeem our time. Now, a lot of people think that managing your time, hear me now, a lot of people think that managing your time is about cramming more and more into your day. They think that doing more is the measure of success. I disagree heartily. True time management is not about doing more things. It's more about doing the right things. Okay, let me, let me say that again. Because this is the crux of what I'm talking about today. Time management is not about doing more things. It's more about doing the right things. The reality is our time is a limited resource. And our remaining time on earth is being constantly depleted year by year, month by month, week by week, day by day, minute by minute, second by second. Someone make it stop. Our time is a resource given by God, entrusted to us to manage well. And a day will come, like the manager of Walmart, when you will have to give an account. And it's required in stewards, the Bible says, that a man be found faithful. Time management is really about life management. It seems only logical to me that the key to tracking time would be found in the Word of God and in our relationship with the Creator of time itself. I don't have time. You ever hear that? You ever say that? I don't have time. It's an interesting sentence. But it isn't really a question of time. It's a question of priority. And where your priorities are, there will your time be also. Let's pray. Lord, in your word, it talks a lot about time. Even in relation to salvation, it says now is the, today is the day of salvation. A lot of times we want to put these things off. The call into ministry, we want to push those things down the road. Whatever it, it might be, it's easy for us to say, I don't have time. 
But it really isn't a question of time, it's a question of priority. Lord, you brought each of us here this morning. And there's someone here that I believe you're, you're speaking to. And your message to them would be, now's the time. Today's the day. And everything can change forever. How you measure time will change. What you see as important will change. Your priorities will change. And where your priorities are, there will your time be also. If you're here this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, and I only do that for privacy's sake. If you're here today and, and you recognize that you need Jesus, you recognize that you're a sinner, you fall short of the plan that God has for you, you fall short of his standard of righteousness, and you'd like to ask him to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all your unrighteousness. That's possible because of what Jesus did on the cross. If you'll but receive him as your Lord and Savior. If that's you today, I'd just like you to slip up your hand and then I can just include you in my closing prayer. So if you need Jesus today, you want to accept him as your Lord and Savior, then just slip up your hand so I can pray for you as our service comes to an end. I see that hand in the middle section. Two, three hands in the middle section. God bless you. Anyone else this morning? I need Jesus. I need Jesus. All right, let me ask another question before we pray. As you heard, as you heard me talk about time, you began to recognize that it really is a spiritual issue. It's a stewardship issue. It's about what God gave to me and how well I'm using it. You're here today and you say, boy, I need to, I need to make sure that I'm on task. Not that I cram more into my day, but that I'm doing what God has called me to. If that's you today, you're recognizing there's some deficiencies there. You need to be better at that. If that's you, slip up your hand again so I can include you in my closing prayers. Hands going up all around the auditorium. Lord, thank you for speaking to us today. Lord, we have a desire to use all that we have, all the resources that have been entrusted to us for your glory and for your honor. That doesn't mean there isn't leisure time and there isn't fun time. It doesn't mean that we're working constantly every waking moment. It means that we're, we're assigning our time. We're choosing where we spend our time. And that includes leisure and rest and fun. But it keeps us on task. And then, Lord, for the three or four hands that went up to say, I need, I need you, Jesus. I need you to define your mission in me that I might become the man, the woman that you've called me to be. I need Jesus to wash away my sins, to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Lord, we're so thankful that, that you became sin for us. And that as we receive you, you give us the power to become a child of God. So Lord, we receive that by faith this morning. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.